I know lots of you here, but for those I don't know, I'm Caroline, I'm married to Al, and we are involved in helping lead here, and also our a big area of responsibility is the students, so we spend a lot of time with the students, woo! Yeah, come spend time with the students, it's awesome. Um, and I'm speaking today on um, battle for relationship with Jesus, and this is the final part of um, a season we've had on battling, and we've looked at money, we've looked at fasting, we've looked at supernatural breakthrough, and last week um, we had one on stronghold. So if you've not been here for those, catch up with them. They're great. A couple of them I wasn't around for, but I've listened to them on catch up, and I just I highly recommend them. There's just truth and pearls of wisdom in each of them. Um, the main structure of how we're looking at things today is I want to think about why, why do we battle for relationship with Jesus? What's, what's the point? And then a good chunk of today is me giving over to, well, how do we do it? What, what, what are the kind of practicalities around how? Um, and I just want to start by praying quickly. Um, Jesus, I want to ask that you would be with us today. I want to pray that you would come and your presence would rest here. Holy Spirit, I want to ask that you would touch each of our hearts, that each of us would hear what we need to hear, and that each of us would come out today with a renewed vision and a renewed um, desire to press into relationship with you. Amen. Okay. Um, I want to start by thinking about why we battle. Um, And I want to think about the vine and the branches. I enjoyed listening to Steve Thomas's preach. I was uh, listening to it in the car on Thursday this week. I enjoyed that you talked about abiding, because actually that was the first thing I thought about today, um, and about God being the vine and we being the branches. Um, I'm going to read a little bit. It's worth saying, as with the other talks, there's not one overarching passages, but I'll be dipping in and out of a bunch of different passages of Scripture today. Um, and this is John 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory and that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And I wanted to just pull two things out of this. We often talk about remaining in God and bearing fruit. And that's a good chunk of what that passage talks about. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. But actually, he says remain in me and you're, you're alive. And if we don't remain in him, then we wither. So actually, I, I want to recommend to that, that actually a relationship with Jesus and remaining in him and abiding him is not like a, this is a really nice thing to do. This is a, like, you're either alive or you're dead. And actually, you can remain in God and you can be alive and you get to bear fruit or you can not remain in God 
and you can be withered and not alive and dead. And actually, I just sometimes, sometimes it seems like, a, oh, it'd be, it'd be nice to abide in God, but actually it's a life or death thing here. But as well as that, we, we get made fruitful. How great is that? We get to remain in God. We get to abide in him and have his life flowing through us. And then we get to bear fruit for his glory. Um, yeah, I just love this. We get Jesus' lifeblood flowing through us and we get to bear fruit for him. And so, yeah, this is not just a, an optional extra. I think this is, this is essential. We get to remain in him and we get the bonus of having fruit. The next reason I wanted to think about, about battle, why we battle for relationship with Jesus is because a good relationship is worth fighting for. Um, I think pretty much everyone here will have a close relationship or some close relationships, whether that's a parent, a sibling, a spouse, a child, a family member, a friend. And I think probably everybody in all of those relationships will have had times where it's not been very easy. Um, where there was a choice required to press in to that relationship and not just to pull, pull back. Um, Al and I have been married for nearly 14 years, and we've had so many great times in that, but we've also had times where we really had to choose to press in and choose to connect. You know when the, those days where you have a, a, a full-on day and then you come home and actually all you really want to do is sit down in front of the TV and not really think, and actually it, there are times where you have to choose to lay that aside and press in and to connect and to put the other first and to kind of choose that relationship. Um, and I'd say it's the same with God. You know, there are times where you just feel caught up in worship. I don't know about you, but certainly I find there are times where it just, you can't do anything but kind of connect with God and overflow of kind of, you know, into love and worship. And there are other times when honestly, it's just not really what you want to do, where you're tired, you just want to zone out. And actually, there's the choice that we have to, um, to connect and to press in. Um, and obviously, the rela- our relationship with Jesus, it's not, it's not a human marriage, but that sometimes there are parallels on there with that. Um, and actually, there's choosing to count the cost and to press in at times where it's not necessarily what we want to do. And it's worth saying on this front that it's not like God meets us halfway, that we, we kind of step towards him and he steps towards us. And it's like, how lovely. Like, Jesus has done everything. He's done everything to have relationship with us. He's, he's come down as a baby. He's been crucified. He's, he's risen again. He's endured all of that so that we might have relationship with him. And, and we basically, we say yes. And we choose to connect on days that it's harder. So let's just set it within its proper context of kind of Jesus has done everything. And then sometimes we really do have to make more of a concerted effort to press in. Um, I was thinking about this as well. It's kind of about what do we do with those minutes here and there? What do we do when we're, we're tired? Or what do we do when we're at church? And quite frankly, we've just had a hard week and we don't really feel like pressing in. And actually, it's, there's choices that we have all throughout each day. Kind of, you know, you've got a few minutes here. Do I stop? Do I scroll through my phone and check Instagram? Or do I stop and actually like take a moment to press in with God? And we'll all have different situations, but actually it's the same. What do we do with those times we have? Um, yeah, God wants to connect with us and it is, it's worth fighting for. It's worth battling through. 
how do we battle? So anyone who knows me knows that I come into my own when we're talking about making practicalities of things. Um, What do we do as steps to to kind of really go deeper with God? Um, So I want to think a little bit about that next. I'm not going to go into the kind of traditional battling um, passage, Ephesians 6 and the armor of God. Al covered that really well a few weeks ago, about a month ago. So if you haven't listened to it, I recommend it. It's on the... um, uh, media section on the website, um, but he um, he unpacked what it means to kind of put on the armor of God and to wield that. What I am hoping though is to pull out a few um, biblical principles about how we can battle well and what that looks like. So the first thing I wanted to cover is choosing to make time, and Jesus is our number one prior. Um, sorry, our number one example in the Bible about this, isn't he? He shows us what it looks like to live a life connected to the Father with good communication. Um, I could choose any number of verses for this, but I've just got a couple. Matthew 14, 23. After Jesus had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Luke 6, 12. At that time, he went off the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. These are quite uncomfortable verses, aren't they? How many of us spend the whole night in prayer to God? Certainly I don't, and I'm quite grumpy when I have to miss sleep. Um, but Jesus set the example. It was the first thing he did and it was, it was overarched everything, it was connecting with his father. Um, and whilst it's not the sheer quantity of the time we give to God, actually... Without an investment and a sacrifice of time, probably, again, anybody who has any sort of relationship will agree that actually you can't... A a friendship or a marriage or anything doesn't grow on snippets of time, does it? So, like, those those feed into it. But without having longer times to sit and connect and talk heart to heart, um, the relationships don't deepen. And and Jesus could see that, couldn't he? And he, he did that with his father. There are some extreme examples of people doing that as well. A, a wonderful one is um, of Cuthbert, um, the saint, the English saint, wading to waist deep in the middle of the night um, and like communing with the Lord overnight. So I think that's, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But I think that's a nice kind of extreme example. And I can remember talking to um, Michelle Price. A number of you all know them, uh, Ben and Michelle. They live in Africa. And I can remember one time she went for dinner with um, George and Lulu. And Michelle was telling me afterwards. And she said, oh, Lulu was saying to me, I just pray for you that God would wake you up in the middle of the night so you'd be praying in tongues and talking to the Lord. And actually, there's something of it, isn't it? Like, we can all pray in tongues or walk around and pray and talk to God. But actually, there's something of that sacrifice of time when you could be sleeping and could be resting, that, that, in, that, builds, that, um, that builds that intimacy and relationship. Um, and any relationship takes time, but those times, as you'll know, it come about differently, don't they? I was thinking about all the different ways I try and connect with God in any given week. And, um, I, you know, I have quite a you know, long and varied list of things. So there's worship with, um, on, on a Sunday morning. Um, there's worshipping midweek with the students. There's reading the Bible and praying on my own in the mornings. Um, and then reading the Bible and praying with the kids in the evening. Uh, singing worship songs while I'm doing the housework and praying in tongues as I kind of do the laundry or drive my car around. There's caring for my kids because actually 
that's worshipping God. That's, that's giving time and showing God my worship through caring for those people that he's given me to look after. It's meeting with friends and um, chatting about what God's doing in our lives and praying together. Um, sitting outside and enjoying the sunshine and actually just, you know, those moments. I, I had, I've had a few of them recently where this, you've got the warm sun in your face and the breeze and you just, you just stop for a moment and think, oh God, this is good. This is good. Thank you for the sun, Lord. Um, there's the times where you meet with people and like pray, interceding, praying deeply over things, praying for immediate and urgent needs. There's lots of ways that we connect with God over a, a given day or a given week. And some of these are really obviously spiritual, aren't they? Like meeting together on a Sunday morning is more obviously spiritual and in a way that maybe caring for our kids is not. But actually, I want to suggest that all of it's important and all of it feeds into our relationship with Jesus. Um, if we sort of acknowledge him on those great days when the sun's shining and everything's lovely, and that's the sum total of it, then I, I'd suggest that perhaps we've got a bit of a one-dimensional relationship with God. Um, but then likewise, if we only connect with God when we're having a deep Bible study and or an intense pray, I'd suggest that actually we're missing out on a well-rounded relationship as well. Um, I love that we get to connect with God who seems to create beauty and in almost in a sort of casual offhand way and create humor in just a way that kind of bubbles up i was thinking about new england in autumn and i love autumn i love lots of the seasons i love autumn and i love that the trees as far as i have read and can work out there's no particular reason that trees produce these fabulous colors when they are um about the leaves are about to fall off it just seems to be oh what is there oh there is oh i'd read stuff there was anyway well i think it also just oh this is a problem with having scientists in it i'd read a book but it said there wasn't bill bryson's let me down um but isn't it <laughs> isn't it fabulous though that we can that that kind of god shows his glory through creation in ways like this it is there we go we can still pull stuff out of it paddle fast and I was thinking about galaxies as well like God who flung the stars into space we get to just connect with one-to-one -one. like let's let's embrace all the different opportunities we have of relating to him but um I don't know something about admiring the wonder of his creation is a big one I would like to suggest also what about trying to connect with Jesus in a way that you don't naturally think to. I guess it's like the love languages thing. We looked at love languages when we were um, uh, newly married. And so often I find that people are mismatched, as it seems. You know, you like to receive love in the way that it's not the other person's primary way of giving it, and, like, and vice versa. And actually, something about learning to show your spouse or your children or other people love in the way that you don't naturally receive it that kind of grows you and grows a relationship what about if we take time to connect with Jesus in a way that we don't naturally think to connect so for me I love I love music I grew up in a musical household music's kind of been the thread running through a lot of life and I love just connecting with God through singing worship but what if actually some days I just need to sit down and, and sort of delve deeper into the Bible which I don't instantly find kind of sets my heart alight in the same way 
Um, I think it, it builds a better rounded relationship with Jesus if we kind of seek to connect with him in ways that we don't naturally. Choosing to communicate well. What does it mean to communicate well? And how do we do this with God? I was thinking about how we live in an age of hashtags, emojis, spilling our hearts on, on social media. I'm, I'm not meaning the whole room here, but I know that it is an age where people do that increasingly. Um, it can be superficial. We can be used to communicating in a superficial way. Let's delve deeper. How do you really feel about what's going on in life at the moment? What about the relationship that you're finding a bit tricky at work? Or one of your kids who is just playing up and you really don't know how to, how to understand, how to connect? What about the finances that are hard to keep track of? Or the fact that you deeply love to meet someone to share your life with, but that it isn't happening? Or fill in the blank. Are you talking to God about this? The Psalms are full of David or the other psalm writers really sharing how they feel. Psalm 38 says, I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds, my strength fails me, even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who want to kill me set their traps. Those who would harm me talk of my ruin. All day long they scheme and lie. And it goes on and on and on. And then, Lord, I wait for you. You will answer me, Lord, my God. I wonder if sometimes we can sanitize things and not bring God the whole mess and confusion and kind of blah, of how we feel. And maybe that's because we sort of don't want to talk to God because we feel disappointed at how he has or hasn't responded in the past. Maybe, maybe it's because actually it feels a bit disloyal bringing that to God and being like, no, I, I, I should trust God. He sees it all anyway. It builds relationship with him when we actually let it out and just share it with him. And actually... God's big enough, isn't he? He's big enough to deal with our doubts and our concerns and our worries. He knows that we're feeling it anyway. And there's something wonderful that happens that we see through the Psalms, is that when people, they express that, and then it leaves space for hope to rise again at the end. There's so much, so often a, but God, but God, you are good, but God, your praises will endure your hope, you know, that, that it all springs up. But actually, often, first of all, there's the kind of, this is all wrong, um, and I think that when we try and sanitize stuff and not bring God everything, it, it builds a bit of a wall. It sort of builds a little thing and a little thing and a little thing all together. Um, there's a poem that I'm going to read in a moment that we came across reading the marriage book. And whilst this is in fact talking about a marriage, again, I'm going to draw a parallel. And as I read this, let's ask God to speak. Does this resonate with you? Are there, are there areas where actually... You're just not talking to God about things, or there are, there are things that are building, um, building up that's growing a wall between you and God. So it's called the wall. Their wedding picture mocked them from the table. Those two lives no longer touched each other. They loved with such a heavy barricade between them that neither the battering rams of words nor artilleries of touch could break it down. Somewhere between the oldest child's first tooth and their youngest daughter's graduation, they lost each other. 
Throughout the years, each solemnly, uh, sorry, throughout the years, each slowly unraveled their tangle ball of string called self. And as they tugged at stubborn knots, each hid their searching from the other. Sometimes she cried at night and begged the whispering darkness to tell her who she was, while he lay beside her, snoring like a hibernating bear, unaware of her winter. Once, after they'd made love, he wanted to tell her how afraid he was of dying. But fearing to show his naked soul, he spoke instead about the beauty of her breasts. She took a course in modern art, trying to find herself, in colours splashed upon a canvas, and complaining to other women about men who were insensitive. He climbed into a tomb called The Office, wrapped his mind in a shroud of paper figures, and buried himself in customers. Slowly, the wall between them rose, cemented by the mortar of indifference. One day, reaching out to touch each other, they found a barrier they could not penetrate. And recoiling from the coldness of stone, each retreated from the stranger on the other side. For when love dies, it is not in a moment of angry battle, nor when fiery bodies lose their heat. It lies panting, exhausted, expiring at the bottom of a wall it could not scale. Let's bring God all of us. Let's not hold back thinking that by smoothing things over or sweeping them under the carpet, they'll sometimes somehow sort themselves out because they won't. Let's bring our mess, our pain, our confusion to God because he can deal with them. He longs to walk through them with us. Um, when I was praying a couple of days ago about this, um, I felt like God gave me a word actually and it was based upon the story of the prodigal son And I had a picture of a father sitting there in his porch with his eyes fixed on the horizon. I felt like he was talking about someone who had walked away and been distant. I didn't feel like it was a walking away in the same way as the prodigal son in the story. didn't feel like it was like a, you know, wild parties, crazy, big blah. It was was like the poem. It It was a bit here and a bit there and a bit there and a bit of like, oh, I don't really feel like talking to God about this. And... I'm disappointed with God about that. And what about that answer prayer, God? And I just felt like there was a picture of the Father watching and waiting and longing for your return. Don't expect an I told you so, but know that he's waiting with open arms. So if that resonates with you, I'd love to pray for you afterwards. I'll pray with you. The Psalms aren't short of grief and pain and mess, but also they're not short of adoration and praise. And as I said before, so often you get them mingled in together. Psalm 62 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he's my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I will never be shaken. And Psalm 89 says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I'll make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you've established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Let's bring God our praise. I love the verse in Psalm 22, 3, where it says, God inhabits the praise of his people. How amazing is that? We get to praise God and he sort of somehow inhabits those praises. Just what a fabulous image. And I love that if you take the last two things together, the kind of the pain and the mess and the praise, 
it's praise that costs something, isn't it? It's like the woman who broke that costly perfume and, and wiped Jesus's feet with her tears and with the perfume. It was costly. And I think God loves costly prayer and sorry, costly praise. How precious it is to him when we, when we offer him praise when it costs us something. There's something about putting God in his rightful place, I think. I was listening to a, a, a song. There's a lovely uh, new album, a worship album out. And the, the, just the first verse, I loved it. It said, we are an altar of broken stones, but you delight in the offering. You have the heavens to call your home, but you abide in the song we sing. And that's just something of that, isn't it? We're broken and, and yet God abides in our praise. So we talked about taking time to communicate to God. We talked about taking time to bring him our praise. Um, but are we taking time to listen to him? I, I heard it said, uh, you know, many times, we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should be listening twice as much as we speak. And I certainly don't do that with God. Like, you know, I know it's a, a fable, but this is hard I mean, it's hard enough to listen to people who are in front of us, I find, let alone God who's not tangibly there and doesn't, doesn't audibly speak very often at least. Um, but there's such a value in listening to God. I find that sometimes I sit down and tell God about something and then sit down and listen. And actually instead of, I don't know, instead of maybe what I thought, I hear that God cares way more about that thing than I do. And actually he invites me to hear his heart on something. And you realize that actually instead of trying to twist God's arm about that person that you really want to know him or that healing that you really want to uh, take place, he invites you into the fact that he's, he's way more grieved about this situation than, than you are. And actually it, it can just shift our perspectives in an amazing way. You know, weeping with those who weep. How often God does that with us. You know, I, I've known times where I've just been, I don't know, I felt grieved and I've, I've gone to God and I've just known that he's kind of grieving with me. There's not a word to it, but there's a kind of, yeah, there's, there's a knowing his presence in that. So is this something that God wants you to do? How can we make time over the next few days to stop and listen to what he's saying? choosing to obey. The picture will become obvious as we go on. This is a harder one. In the Bible, some scary things happened to those people who weren't obedient to gods. Jonah, he was followed by a, a giant fish. Gosh. Korah rebelled against Moses and the earth swallowed up him and his family. Achan, he stole from the plunder of Jericho after being warned strictly not to, and he and his family were stoned. Isaiah offered up incense at the altar, which was strictly against the rules, and he was ignoring what the priest had said, and he, he got leprosy. There were some really scary consequences of disobedience, and now I think probably consequences on the whole seem a little bit less pronounced, but they are no less profound. I really strongly believe that if God tells us to do something, either whether it's an impression or through his word or however he's asking us. And if we don't obey it, then, then we'll just get desensitized to his voice. It might not be that, you know, we, have, we get swallowed up by a giant fish. In fact, I'd probably wager that we won't be. But actually, I think, I think we just stop hearing his voice if we hear him and he speaks and then we ignore what he says. 
And this is where this um, picture comes in. I, I love ER. I haven't watched it for a while, but I, I love this, this terrible American hospital drama. And a few years ago, um, I listened to a talk on hearing God. And I sat down afterwards, and I had some practical outwork at the end. And I sat down afterwards, and I was like, Lord, I want you to speak to me. I'm here. I'm available. And I was really hoping for something really wonderful and profound and life-changing. And I felt God say to me, stop watching ER. And I have to say, at the time, to set it in its context, I had recently discovered a few box sets at a charity shop in Headington. And I was like, oh, I haven't watched this for about 15 years. I wonder if it's as good as I remember. So I went and I got them and it was every bit as good as I remembered. And I um, had a little bit of a problem with being disciplined about this. And when I say that, I basically was just watching it wall to wall. I don't know when, but somehow I was watching it back to back and I was being very undisciplined about it. So God was very right in saying, stop watching ER. Um, But he said that and I was really disappointed and I immediately dismissed that. That was not the word of the Lord. He couldn't possibly be saying that to me. And I got on with my day and I had a reality check a few minutes later and it was like, Caroline, will you just ask God to speak to you and dismiss the first thing he said? Okay. And so I repented. I was like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. And I boxed up all of my DVDs, the ones I'd watched and the ones I hadn't. And I took them that afternoon to a charity shop because I know myself really well. I'd have, I'd have hidden them. And then later on, I'd have been like, God really wasn't saying that, was he? Or he probably just meant for a couple of days. And so I took them and I took them to a charity shop. And um, I have to say, I didn't regret the decision because Maybe it was God. It probably was God speaking to me. But if it wasn't, and I thought it was, and I ignored it anyway, I kind of feel like God sees my heart in it. You know, if it wasn't God, then I feel like Jesus was probably looking at me and thinking, do you know what? I love your heart in this, Caroline. I love that you thought that was me and that you did it anyway. And so I want to say, if you think that God's speaking to you, Like, weigh it, particularly if it's a crazy thing, but then do it because God will speak more. He loves it when we obey. Um, And it helps us to hear him more, I I firmly believe. Jesus gives us so many examples of obedience in the Bible. What about 40 days fasting in the wilderness? Gosh. But, you know, it, it says he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And when it talks about him leaving at the end, it says he leaves Um, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. You know, this was as a result of his obedience, that he had like a, wow, he had like an impartation of more Spirit. Or the most stark place, I think, where we encounter Jesus' obedience, and one that we'll be um, thinking about more on Friday, is the Garden of Gethsemane. Here we get really close to Jesus. And we see him with wrestling, with grief and anguish over, over this decision to obey. It says in the Bible, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. 
And then a, a Luke passage saying, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus is so troubled here by what he has to go and do on the, the cross. This wasn't an easy decision to obey. This was not a kind of a whimsical kind of an aside. This was a anguish decision, weeping tears of blood. But it ends as it always did with Jesus. But not your will, but mine. Sorry, not, not I've typed it wrong. Not my will, but yours. He... His, his ultimate priority was to do his father's will, even when that cost him everything. Had Jesus not battled through this and emerged obedient to his father, the whole of history would have looked different. Like everything would have been different. Now it's rare that any of us will have to obey obey God in a way that is such high stakes, but the principle's the same. Jesus had an unfettered relationship with his father because he listened to him and he obeyed him. What about us? Are we willing to obey God, even if this is a significant personal cost? Let's choose to obey because this is costly and it's a way that we can fight for our relationship with Jesus. And I would like to say, obeying brings peace like, no, like nothing else. Like it's hard and it's painful. But there is a peace like nothing else when we, when we choose to obey him. Choosing to mine the tougher seasons from... For, for the, Choosing to mine the tougher seasons for gold. I've stolen this, uh, this phrase from Sheridan. If you don't know him and Merrin, go and say hi. They're amazing. Um, but recently, I had the privilege of reading his new book. It's called The Making of Us. But the tagline is, who we can become when life doesn't go as planned. And there are treasures on every page, but this particular thing stuck out to me. Everyone, every single one of us will walk through hard seasons, but we have a choice of what we do with them. We can rail against them, get cross with God, cut off contact with him, or we can mine those seasons for the treasure that they can produce in us. What a rich image. We can take these tough seasons and these difficult times and we can resolve to get every last treasure out of them, using them to deepen and enhance our relationship with Jesus rather than driving a wedge between us. And this is something that Al and I can testify to. Most of you know we've got three lovely children, the youngest of whom, Florence, has a genetic neurological disorder that has left her profoundly disabled physically. And in the early months of her life, we walked through a long, frightening season of diagnosis, or rather looking for a diagnosis. And it's probably the most difficult season we've ever had to walk through. Everything looked uncertain. And you just kind of feel like you're at the mercy of the next set of test results. And yet during that time, there was a grace on us like we've not often experienced. We knew the presence of God and um, sustaining us. We knew the peace of God. At times, we should not have felt peaceful. And we knew the kindness of God displayed in lots of ways and definitely in no small part through the family of God's looking after us, holding us up. Um, blessing us. I would not walk through that again in a hurry because it was not a fun time. But there was an intensity and a beauty to relating to God 
that actually you don't readily get in seasons of plenty. And I know that other people that have walked through tough times testify to the same, that there is, there is something of God that you don't get at the, at the times when it's all wonderful. And that season's changed us as well. Since then, there have been things and challenges that we faced together, and we faced it in a different way because of what God has done in us. And because we've known that actually when there's a time of challenge, there's a special grace that comes from God. And in a funny way now, I've started to embrace those seasons because, I mean, I'd never choose them, but, but I've realized that actually there's a closeness of, to God that comes at those seasons. And you kind of think, oh, oh, I want it. If, you know, if this is going to actually open the door to more closeness with God, well, then I'm in. Um, so choose to mine these seasons. We'll all have them, but actually choose to mine them for the gold and the treasure that they'll produce in you. Choose, as painful as it is, to try and embrace the season to see how God will use it for his glory in and through you. I'm coming into land, Justin. Choosing not to take offence. It's really hard to choose an appropriate image for this. And in the end, I just I went for a slightly humorous image because I was thinking, so often when you hear offence, it's sort of, I don't know, there's something almost comical about it sometimes. We have an active opportunity to choose to believe the best of God. There will be so many things, again, kind of coming on from what we were talking about in life, that either go on in your life or in other people's lives that you just do not understand. And you'll have cried out to God for a different outcome and, and will be confused that he hasn't seemed to come through. And yet, Isaiah 55 said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declared the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Here we have a choice to acknowledge that we won't understand everything because God is God and we are not. God appears to choose to do things, and yet there's a requirement for us to let him be God and to not try and second-guess him and to not try and choose, like, take offense at God when they, things don't go the way we hope they will. Al and I have really been impacted um, by a wonderful couple called Mike and Lynn Carter in this. They were part of our church in Oxford for many years and um, had plans to retire, to, uh, retire down to Cornwall and move just near to their family. Um, and then one day, not long before they were set to move, Lynn walked out of the sea, I believe, and suffered a huge stroke, which left her in hospital for a long time and has affected her profoundly to this day, which is maybe nine or ten years later. And I remember Mike standing up here at church about a week or two later after this happened and speaking. And he said, look, people have asked me whether I'm questioning God and his goodness in this thing happening. And he simply said, no, me and God go too far back for that. I'm absolutely convinced of his goodness. So I don't need to see, I don't see the point of asking him why. Like that simple statement of faith in the middle of what they were walking through had a profound impact on us. And it's impacted our journey with Florence and, and since as well. That was not a, a cheap thing to say. That cost him to say that. And whilst this is less also going on from here, less to do with our direct communication with God, let's not hold offence against others either. 
Relationships can be messy. People can and probably will hurt us. But I've never once seen a good, um, a good thing coming out of holding onto a fence. In fact, I go so far as to see it is one of the most destructive things that somebody can do. And I've seen how it's eaten people up from the inside out. And I really don't believe that we can hold on to offence to other people and not have that massively infect, our, uh, infect and affect our relationship with God. Let's be people who, like, let's not sweep things under the carpet. You know, there's praying things through and processing them, but let's not hold on to offence. So I want to just draw this together now and say that we've thought about why it's worth relationship with God, uh, investing in a relationship with God. And we thought a little bit more about the practical nitty-gritty of how. But I want to end with saying, I've thought a lot over the years, I don't want to have a mediocre marriage. I don't want to settle for a marriage that's like, yeah, it's okay. I want to keep pressing on. And I think Al feels the same. We want to keep pressing on through life to have an excellent marriage. Um, and I, I think it's the same with God. Let's, some of us would probably say, yeah, I've got a pretty good relationship with God. And some of us might say, no, I really don't. But let's, let's not let the kind of good be the enemy of the best. Let's not rest on our laurels and sort of relax. Let's always press it, choose to press in and see how we can connect with God better. And so sorry if it's a bit small. It's quite hard to fit it on one page. But just I've put up the different areas we've talked about today about time. Do we make enough time? How do we spend that time? Is there room for gods to be getting more time in our diaries? What about honesty? Are we, are we taking time to be honest with God? Do we feel the need to take some time and listen to him? How about obeying? Are there areas where God wants us to actually sit down and, and commit to obey him on something? Have you been walking through a tough season? What is God saying or Um, doing in you at this time or are you offended by God or by someone else how can you put this right and I'd also like to say I've talked all today about having a relationship with Jesus but if you don't know that and you don't yet have a relationship with God but are interested please don't leave today without chatting to someone I'll be around afterwards or Steve or any of us here would be willing to you know we'd love to chat to you or if you've come with someone chat to them but I think it's the best decision you'll ever make Um, So let's take a moment. I'm going to hand back to Steve. If we take a moment and just ask God to speak, if there's an area that he particularly wants us to think about, and then I'm going to let Steve land things from there. I'm going to ask for that um, slide to be left there, and we're going to come back to it in a minute and and end with it. I just want to note that... um, this morning, um, is, that's a wrap on our whole series on spiritual battle. Uh, we've been looking at spiritual battle one way or another over the last five weeks. And just as we finish, I want to encourage you to cast your minds back over, over those weeks. Um, looking forward, we've got four uh, special Sundays of different kinds coming up, and I want you to be aware of those too. Uh, next Sunday is the most special of all, because it's Easter Sunday. And it doesn't get any better than that. So we'll be celebrating Easter Sunday next Sunday. The couple of Sundays after that, we're going to have two Sundays looking at the future that we expect for OCC in different ways and talking quite explicitly about some of the challenges that we have and some of the things that we're looking forward to God seeing. And the Sunday after that is special because we're not meeting here at all, but we're going to be meeting in Bista. So, yeah, it's very exciting. 
you can pop into Bista Village, you can have, you know, just go to town. But we'll be meeting in Bista, and there'll be more detail about that in due course. But right now, let's just, if you've been around at all for more than just this morning, cast your mind back over the last few weeks. Uh, we, in this series, have looked at, uh, I'm in a list of these things here, at fasting. And maybe when Lois spoke about that, something was prompted for you. Um, we looked at, as Steve spoke about, the manna that comes from heaven and daily, daily receiving uh, the life of God. Uh, I spoke about strongholds and also about what God wants to do for us in the area of our finances. And just cast your mind back over those things. Look at this screen. You know, um, I do believe that today is a day of rest. Actually, the coming week for a number of us will hold more rest and more space than usual. There's a couple of bank holidays. What I'd like to ask you to do is just to get hold of what is it, out of all of this stuff about this series on spiritual battle, out of all of it, what is it that it would be helpful to hold on to and to take time to reflect upon it and to pray in the coming 10 days? Maybe you've got Friday off for Good Friday. Maybe you've got Bank Holiday Monday off after that, Easter Monday. Maybe you can see some other time that you would make space. But take out of this morning... And take out of this series something to go away and take it into that quiet place with God that Caroline's been speaking about this morning and do business with him there.